Hello there, and welcome to Gooner U. My name is Dove, and my friend Keith is here to bring me up to speed on everything I don't know about soccer and Arsenal. This week featured the season-opening Community Shield match against Manchester City. Hello, Keith. Hello, Dove. Are you enjoying your first ever piece of silverware? <laughs> first ever piece of silverware with the England crest on it. <laughs> the FA crest, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The uh, the Community Shield used to be called the Charity Shield, and then apparently they discovered that the money that was supposed to be going to charities wasn't going to charities quite as much <laughs> as they promised. So it is now the Community Shield. But that was 20 years ago, so... <laughs> um, does it count? Well, we won it, so yes, it counts. But <laughs> it was it was a it was it was quite a, it was quite an afternoon or quite a morning, I guess. Yeah, yeah, no, it was it was, it was enjoyable. I mean, they they really had me going there for a while. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we get to the match in detail, we got some other stuff to talk about. So, I, by way of follow up. Um, I just wanted to set the record straight um, when talking. Hopefully, this is the last time that we talk about uh, the the Tottenham jersey and Spider Verse. But um, I don't actually know what AIA is. This is kind of apropos of our entire discussion about sponsors as they pertain to MLB. Which, incidentally, I did catch the last inning and a half of the Yankees match on Friday, and yeah, it, it does look awful. But anyways, it, it's funny because this is an English league. Like, presumably, aside from Star Insurance, like we're going to know who most of the sponsors probably are in American sports. But yeah, I don't know who AIA is, but I recognize them as the shirt front for Tottenham for whatever that's worth to them, apparently. I, I did look this up. They, they are an, they're an insurance company or a multinational insurance and finance corporation based in Hong Kong. So Aha, uh-huh. now we know. <laughs> make, of that, make of that what you will. I mean, there, there's quite a lot of interesting... Um, it, it, there is kind of interesting the, the number of different companies and the global reach of the league. There's It'll be interesting. I think it, I think it's after this season. Uh, they've they've changed the rules such that you can no longer uh, they can no longer have uh, gambling companies, right? Uh, betting companies, a lot of which are based in are based in uh, East Asia, Southeast Asia, um, and are shirt sponsors. And for a lot of different reasons, they're beginning to crack down on it. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, uh, next thing I want to just kind of put out there. So, um, I had, I had been under the impression last episode that Inter Miami might have been founded in 2022. The reason I thought that was because when I was going through the menus, just looking around in the soccer section in the Apple TV app, I had landed on Inter Miami's Pro Next team, which as discussed is like their one division down, I guess, from MLS. And that team was founded in 2022. It has MMXXII on the bottom of their crest. <laughs> so that was where I saw that. I didn't pull it completely out of nowhere. So <laughs> um, we have a little bit of ancient follow-up that we're, we're hoping to get to uh, at the end of the episode. We'll, we'll tease that a little bit. Um, meanwhile, we do have some news from this week. So Where's Jesus? What's going on with him? Yeah, so apparently there is a, 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 a I don't know what I guess we'd call it, a flare-up, so to speak, of his uh, knee injury. Uh, something Something's left over, so he had to have a procedure. And as a result, he will miss uh, what Arteta says uh, a few weeks, which is, we don't really know what that means. Um, but this is uh, still sort of appears to be left over from the surgery and the injury he had. Uh, during the World Cup, so he's gone in for a procedure. Hopefully, this is um, 
hopefully this resolves this going forward and it's, you know, cl- cleans it up going forward because he's obviously a big loss uh, as we, for all the reasons we've talked about. But um, yeah, for now, no, no Jesus, which is, is interesting. I, I looked up the last time we beat Manchester city, Gabriel Jesus was in the starting lineup hmm. for city. <laughs> right. That makes sense. Um, which was, which was, which was in the summer of 2020. Uh, the semifinals of the FA Cup, we beat them in Wembley, in an empty Wembley, uh, right. because of COVID. Um, so, you know, there's, there was, there was, there's some looking back in the past, but we can get to that uh, later, later on. Sure. Show. Yeah, so, um, and I hear that there's some confirmations, and I guess the opposite of confirmations, <laughs> whatever that word would be, uh, for some transfers. Uh, well, what do we have there? Right. So quickly, the one we know for sure, Austin Trusty, who is a defender that uh, they picked up from Colorado, signed la- uh, last year, and I think want to say he was signed in January uh, from from Colorado, which is uh, st- the club that the Cronky enterprises group owns in in the u.s um he has been signed by sheffield united so uh he will Mm. be in the premier league and we'll see him uh in you know at some point this season so and good luck to him there um he it was interesting he was always seemed like a player who wasn't really long for arsenal uh was kind of there to to get to europe get some time under his belt spent uh last season with birmingham city and apparently did very well there so it's good for him to wind up at a club like Sheffield, who's now making their way into the next, uh, the next level up. Right. Um, yeah. I'd seen him during the skills competition um, at, during the MLS all-star game. Did, did he actually, I don't remember. Did he play during the all-star game? I can't remember the lineup, but he might, he might've come on late in the end. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember all of the, I don't remember all the, the players he was on there. I, I suspect certainly he was in the skills competition in part because he's an American. Right, and he had played in, he had played said, in MLS. Yeah. Um, so he was definitely someone who could, you know, there, there's a little bit of a connection there as far as working with MLS. I think he might have gotten on the field um, also because the other prominent American at Arsenal, uh, Matt Turner, was not on the preseason tour because he was, right. you know, relaxing after after a summer with the national team. Right. Although it was funny. I I forget which match it was. One of their U.S. matches, I saw Matt Turner, like, after the match, congratulating them. He was able to attend <laughs> to, mm. to watch, but he wasn't on the roster, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he I, obviously, for the first part of it, he was on vacation, clearly met up with them at some point, and then, mm. you know, was still sort of working his way back into training. Um, although now and he is, you saw he was he was up there standing next to Odegaard when we received the shield, so. I, you know, I actually turned off the match after they won. I, did, I probably should have stuck around to see them receive the trophy. Uh, there's no precedent for me for this. I'm not used to, yeah, <laughs> used yeah. to them actually I mean, winning anything yet. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> any anytime your team wins anything, you kind of want to let it linger and hang on. Um, it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and especially as you get to the part where they go up, they receive their medals, and then they hoist the, the trophy, and it's it's always a good time. And Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's when you lose that you just want to just flip the TV off and just, just, just leave. Right. Just don't yeah, I had other stuff going on. I, I, I basked privately. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but speaking of Matt Turner. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to say, uh, Matt Turner, Arsenal goalkeeper, probably not for much longer. Uh, the rumor is that he is... Uh, on his way to Nottingham Forest, um, which is kind of fascinating because Arsenal is going to play Forest this weekend. Uh, I don't know if that means he would play for them. Depends on, I guess, when he 
when the transfer officially goes through and when he shows up, uh, actually shows up in Nottingham. Uh, but he looks like he is on his way. Uh, the agreement has been made and he had a medical today and he's going to go. Uh, so he's going to go there, which is good for him. I, you know, it's hard to see him getting re- any real time this season uh, behind Ramsdale. Um, but he's definitely, the census, he's improved his game and it was a good opportunity for him to get from MLS to Europe, working with a big club, you know, working with an arsenal and parlaying that into uh, an opportunity at uh, a forest, which means that, you know, like, like trusty, he'll be in the premier league this year. And um, uh, good luck to him, except for this Saturday, but. Uh. <laughs> right. So yeah, uh, still another couple uh transfers that there's news on, right? Right. And this was also tied in uh, the same story uh, that I had for, for Turner's came from uh, David Ornstein, who is probably the most reliable of the Arsenal, uh, you know, rumor transfer rumor people on the Internet. He is uh, also reports in the same article that uh, that the uh, Arsenal's interest in David Raya is not only real, but it seems like that is being finalized. Uh, mm. And so they... Arsenal have made an offer. Brentford turned it down, but discussions have continued. Raya clearly wants to go. Uh, by all accounts, a person personnel uh, terms have been agreed on. So basically, Arsenal and Raya have decided what his contract would be. It's just a question of how much money are they going to give Brentford to get him, and what's the schedule mm-hmm. for paying that, and sort of all the the details and intricacies. And then one last little bit on transfers. Um, well, two of them actually. Speaking of transfers. Uh, and offers, uh, this is the out, uh, more on the outgoing pile. Uh, Fuller and Balogun, uh, was the subject of an offer from Monaco, which is in the French league, although technically Monaco is, of course, an, an independent country. Uh, <laughs> but they have one club, Monaco, who plays in, in Ligue 1. Uh, they have, they have put in a bid for him, uh, but Arsenal rejected it. Uh, we don't, I didn't see any numbers on it, but presumably felt it was, uh, too low. Uh, we know there were some rumors about uh, interest from Inter Milan or Internazionale in, in Italy. So we'll see. I suspect, given the interest that's out there, Balogun probably will end up leaving, but I, we will certainly find out. And then uh, a Brazilian winger, Marquinhos, who uh, mostly made appearances in the Europa League last year and uh, scored, a, if I recall, a pretty pretty impressive goal at some point in the group stages. Um he will be loaned to uh, Nantes, also in uh, the French league. So, mm. I mean, Arsenal is a very big club in terms of the. We talk about them being a big club in terms of their reputation, but also quite literally in terms of the size of the squad. And a number of players are going to have to go out um, to get down to something more manageable. Otherwise, in a case like Marquinhos, he's just he's just not going to play. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just no space for him. So we'll see how that plays out over the next uh, couple of weeks. I don't, I don't see exactly when the window closes. A couple of years, it used to be it closed around, I say, like the end of August. And then a couple of years ago, the, Eng- the Premier League changed it where they would actually close, at least in terms of arrivals, bringing players in, would close on, uh, at, with the start of the season. And then COVID hit, and they just blew that out altogether. So I don't know technically when the transfer I, window actually closes. But I think they had said uh, the the commentators on the Community Shield match, I believe it said September 1st is what okay. I recall them saying. 
which which is typically more in line with with the European continent writ large. It's kind of the the one or two times they ended up doing it that way. There was always this weird sort of space where English clubs were done buying players, or and certainly buying and selling with each other, but they could sell players out still. So you see a couple of guys, once you realize, okay, you're not going to be on the squad, you don't fit on our depth chart, we'll sell or loan you out to a club on the continent, and then so some of that uh, was still taking place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Speaking of uh, the French League, uh, while I was out this weekend, I actually saw a PSG uh, uniform being worn, or jersey being worn by a kid. Uh, I didn't see it from behind. I have to imagine it was probably Kylian Mbappe, but oh, I says, uh, oh no, I suspect it was Messi for PSG. Oh, he was on PSG. Yeah, he was. He finished last. Yeah, that's where he's played for the last. Uh, couple you know, years. I, I forgot that. Yeah. Apparently, <laughs> although you know what, so a lot of people because they were not too disappointed to see him leave. Um, well, yeah, I guess in the U.S., when I've seen Messi jerseys to date, they've pretty much all been Argentina jerseys. A lot of Argentina. So, yeah. I mean, still lingering a few still Barcelona, still lingering out there. I mean, it wouldn't – I mean, who knows? It could very well be Mbappe. Yeah. Um, although, who knows how much longer he'll be at, at PSG? That's Oh, yeah. Well, so now we're going into other clubs' business. There's <laughs> a year left on his contract. And pretty much everybody knows it's a giant open secret. Not even really a secret, just kind of open. He wants to go to Real Madrid. Ah. Um, PSG w- would like to sell him to Real Madrid and recoup the massive amount of money Real would have to pay them to get a player of his caliber. And by a player of his caliber, we mean arguably the best player in the world. Mm-hmm. Real Madrid, of course, doesn't want to pay that. So Mbappe, because, but because he has one year left in his contract, if he plays out the year with PSG at the end of the season, he's a free agent what we would call a free agent and Real doesn't have to pay PSG anything. Yeah. So PSG would like to sell him now. <laughs> Real would like to get him, perhaps not now. Mbappe would like to play for Real as soon as possible. And there was apparently an offer floating around there from the Saudi league of somewhere on the order of like half a billion dollars or some just ridiculous wow. uh, money that was going just for Mbappe. Right. Wow. But he, you know, does he want to go to Saudi Arabia for a year? I don't know. I, yeah, it's that's a that's a soap opera mess, and <laughs> God, I'm so glad that's not us at all. Yeah, <laughs> wow, wow. I'm so glad we're not touching any of that. <laughs> um, although it would be pretty fascinating if we showed up and we're, we just told PSG, "Here, we'll take Mbappe for a year," because then we we might win the league. But <laughs> but not, we're not going to do that. We're not yeah. going to do that. <laughs> Um, it's actually funny since, since Messi came up in conversation, uh, it's, it's interesting to me. So my son continues his interest in Messi as a player. Um, mm-hmm. he's been watching the just about exactly seven minute, uh, recaps that Apple TV produces for, uh, the MLS matches. He's mm-hmm. been watching those of every single, uh, inter Miami match the last couple weeks. Uh, these are all leagues cup games. Um, I think one of them we accidentally watched twice. Like I'd watched it with him. And then I was like, did did we watch that? And he said, no. And as we were watching, I was like, yeah, I remember the comments I'm thinking to make to you. I remember making them to you before he didn't remember. So we watched it again. It's, it's always a pleasure seeing more messy. Um, but yeah, yeah so boy, it's, he's, it's, yeah, he's really good. Holy cow. I mean, like I knew this isn't a surprise, yeah, but I mean, it to, is, to- it is nuts, but. So there was a funny comment made tonight. We were watching the recap of last night's match. Um, (laughs) He's telling me, I really like Messi. I I like him a lot more than I like Arsenal. And he's apparently somehow taught himself um, 
bleep talking um, <laughs> to, to censor myself. And he's like, yeah, he's better than Arsenal. They're a piece of garbage. Uh, <laughs> so that was uh, unexpected and uncalled for. <laughs> Ouch. That, that, cuts, that cuts deep, man. Oh. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he, he did watch some of the Community Shield with me. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think... <laughs> I think it is in fun, um, but it, I don't know where that came from. That's that's kind of funny because I have not myself like I haven't really like trash talked any other teams to him, and I don't know if his friends are into sports to the point where they would have done that. So maybe YouTube. I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I mean, well, I mean, there's two possibilities. Obviously, as as kids, you know, that, I mean, it, it does. It's easy to run to the extremes of conversation, right? You know, the every, yeah. everything that isn't the best is the worst. <laughs> um, but also, it could come from the kids. But also, you're right. If he's trolling around YouTube, uh, yeah, that's a that's a pretty good way to find all sorts of uh, opinions uh-huh. yeah. um, about things. But uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll stop there. Um, that's that's my self censorship. Uh. <laughs> so, so meanwhile, in other news, so uh, longtime listeners may recall uh, at some point last season, the conversation ventured over into cricket. Um, I had watched some cricket. So that, that seems to happen somehow when I end up on ESPN plus late at night, I get exposed to things that I might not have otherwise. Um, this happened on Saturday night with the community shield match being on Sunday morning. I wanted to make sure because with my schedule in the morning, I, I might, and it turned out I did, I, I knew I might be landing at the TV, like right at kickoff time. Um, so I wanted to pre-flight and make sure that I was logged into ESPN Plus, everything was good. So I did that. And then, you know, I, I lingered for a little bit. Um, I so <laughs> a, cu- a couple things. So the more pertinent thing that came up so uh, first was I'd seen Lester and Leeds were both having games, I think, like this weekend, this past weekend, that refer to the English League Championship. And I'm just wondering what that is. Um, so what it is, is a shortened, uh, well, so officially it's the English Football League and they're in the championship. And it took me a moment because oh. I forgot. That's right. Leicester and Leeds had been relegated. So oh, okay. yeah, that's, that, I forgot that too. Okay. Yeah. they. So yeah, Leicester and Leeds, they're in, they're in the championship, the second division. And their season actually started this weekend. The Premier League kicks off next weekend, but they are started this past weekend. Right. So uh, English so yeah. League Championship is the name of the league. It's not a championship that they play in. It no, it's the well, championship no, it, league. Technically, it's the English Football League. I think actually it might also be with their, the, they're saying English, as in from England, League Championship. I don't know. I'm guessing. I think there's <laughs> technically the word football should be the EFL Championship because the EFL is the, the, um, the umbrella organization that runs right. the next three. Di- Actually, I think all the divisions down after the Premier League, but certainly they, typically the next the league is uh, the top three. They're the second, third, and fourth divisions, which are called right. Championship League One and League Two, because that's not confusing at all, <laughs> right? <laughs> so yeah, so that is referring though to a league, not a tournament, right? Yeah, well, I, it, only in the sense that a league is a tournament. It's just done in a very specific format. But yes, it is referring to the the champion the championship. Uh, where both Leeds and Leicester are looking to get back to uh, the Premier League. So we'll see how that goes for them. Yeah, so then I ventured over to what was playing on the Ocho, which before this past weekend, I didn't know that ESPN 8 was a real thing. I had only seen it referred to in Saturday Night Live sketches before. I didn't know if there actually was an Ocho. 
it 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 is it, the joke stems from the the movie Dodgeball, right? I don't know if you saw that one. Uh, the joke that their championship being held on ESPN eight, the Ocho. Uh, and then a few years ago, a decade at this point, ESPN said, "No, let's." Let's do this. It started as like a one day thing where they called them set. They, the rate, it was regular broadcast ESPN. It was in like this time of the year in the summer where there's, there's baseball, but there's not a whole lot going on. So like for a day, they were the Ocho where they showed dodgeball, uh, cornhole, all these, all these other sports that, you know, they would never show, but like weird, obscure things they plugged in and had some fun with it. Um, if you go far enough back, I mean, I remember watching ESPN2 in the mid-90s and watching, like, Lumberjack Championships, right. which, um, forget what it was called, but it's the one where they, they run on the log in the water, and there's two oh, guys. Yeah. Like, it's it's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's it's something else, too. Uh, okay, so, to as, as yeah. ever, I am glad that I asked you about this. So, I was basically right. It was a joke, but now, many years later, it has become an occasional real thing. Yeah, okay. yeah. That, and, and, and But now, I, I don't know that they do it with the network anymore. I think now they do use ESPN Plus, the streaming platform for it, because, yeah, you can do whatever you want on there. Right. Yeah, that's, how, that's how you watch cricket, you know? Well, yeah, so I'd, I'd clicked on, the, at the time, what I what it said was going to be dog surfing, um, and I was curious if it was people on dogs or dogs on surfboards. I, I, <laughs> I was curious to see what I would find, but apparently that was over, and I was instead seeing wiffle ball championships. Like apparently mm-hmm. there are actually rules to play wiffle ball as a game. It is actually oh, yeah. a thing, and grown adults play it, <laughs> pitching oh, yeah. like ninety plus miles per hour to each other, which is. I I mean, you, if you know how to whip that 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 ball, it's it's definitely the way it dances and darts. Although I. Now what? I didn't realize they did dog surfing. Now I want to watch. <laughs> well, stay tuned into the Ocho for more. Yeah. <laughs> so let's uh, let's talk about the Community Shield. But before we do that, uh, let's have a word from our sponsor for this episode, which is Liquid IV. Uh, Liquid IV, of course, is the category-winning hydration brand fueling your well-being, and their hydration multiplier is the one product you're missing in your daily routine. In just one stick, which, as we've described before, is like a packet that is stick-shaped, you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than water alone. Use it first thing in the morning, before a workout, when you feel run down, after a long night out, and on long flights. Um, how have you been uh, staying fit this uh, this summer, if at all, Keith? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, as, as we mentioned, I was moving, which was a physically, uh, demanding go. enterprise, but also the usual, usual sort of gym stuff. Really anything I can do to stay indoors because I'm, I'm in Houston, <laughs> Texas, where the, the highs have been over a hundred for, oh, well, two weeks now. It's, uh, and right. the, the end, the end is in sight where we might dip to like 97. So, yeah. Oh boy. Well, that, that sounds good. So it definitely sounds like you need some hydration. So when you do, of course, uh, keep liquid IV in mind. Um, they taste great. They come in a bunch of great flavors. I, I'm particular to the strawberry lemonade. I've seen, if you want to buy in bulk, I've seen Sam's Club carries the lemon lime. Uh, if you want to get a whole bunch of it, which, which we can encourage. Uh, however, before you do that, make sure that you use our offer code, which is Gooner, G-O-O-N-E-R, to save 20% at checkout when you go to liquidiv.com. Um, so yeah, you put uh, one stick of liquid IV and 16 ounces of water and it hydrates you two times faster. Um, 
Again, if you use code Gooner, you will get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com. That is 20% off anything in your order. So shop Better Hydration today using our promo code. There is a link in the show notes. So, yeah, um, the Community Shield. Um, I think the the most important thing that I've noticed seeing them in their home kit uh, now against Barcelona and then against Manchester City is I think lightning bolts on the outside is definitely the proper orientation for their socks. I think they've standardized on this. This was an open dangling question after the last match of uh, the prior season. So it's, it's good to see that they settled on the standard. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, you know, obviously it's the first game of the season, so they'll, they'll, they'll soon lose all semblance of, of uniformity on the, on the socks soon enough. But I, I do want to point out, I think this is an important place to start uh, that uh, Harry Kane has played 435 games for Tottenham and has zero trophies. Declan hmm. Rice has played one game for Arsenal and has a trophy. <laughs> yeah, gives you perspective. It's, it just it makes you think, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So, so I don't know. I mean, I, I think there's different ways that we could talk about this match. Um, as far as blow by blows, because it went scoreless for so long and there weren't even really that many attempts on target. I think a lot of my notes are really filled with fouls and an abundance of yellow cards, primarily against <laughs> Arsenal. I think the officiation was at least a big part of the story of this match. Uh, how, how did you feel about the officiation? It definitely was. Um, so certainly in the moment, I had some problems with it. A few of them were addressed slightly by some things that were apparently said by the commentary, but I didn't hear. Uh, <laughs> but then were addressed, you know, in some stuff I was listening to or heard about post game. Uh, one of the things that happens in the early part of a season is you'll hear this term points of emphasis. Basically, every offseason leagues, and this is true, not just in the Premier League, but pretty much any sports league. Leagues and the referees will review the rules, talk about things. They're like, okay, this has gotten lax, or we really want to emphasize this rule. And so you'll see some things at the start of the new year, any new season, they'll start penalizing things. They're like, they never penalized that before. What's going on? And what they're doing is they're actually calling the rule book. They're just deciding that, hey, we've, we've let this go. Now we're going to do more of it, or there's been a right. change and they're adjusting to it. Um, so there's a big emphasis uh, this year, apparently, is dealing with time wasting. So you saw were a number were cards given out for players who engaged in time wasting. The most common form of time wasting in a lot of cases is uh, basically kicking the ball away, kicking away a dead ball, right? Uh, which in fact is how um, how City got their first their first yellow, Alvarez, uh, at which he did it. And I was half joking when he said it when he did it. Oh, that's a yellow because the ball went out for a throw and he just kicked it kicked it away <laughs> Which and <brand> and then <laughs> sure enough the referee came over and yellow um which huh. you know fine i mean you, we saw a little bit of that too in in stoppage time right we talked about this during the world cup how they're calculating they were calculating it differently you're right. seeing that now being integrated and so you got tremendous amount of stoppage time both in the first and second halves uh which is arguably hopefully more accurate in terms of time sure. that was actually lost uh, during the course of the game. Um, so time wasting is a big one. In fact, so Thomas Party picked up a yellow, which at the time I was bothered by because I thought that was that Arsenal committed harder fouls in the last five minutes. Uh, you know, <laughs> a, a City or was committing harder fouls than that. N no calls or no cards. Turns out he does actually tap the ball away afterwards, and that's what he was carded for, which makes a little more oh. sense 
even if I'm still bothered by some other aspects of it. Um, Arteta picks up a yellow in the first half. The conversation was about how he runs out of the box. It's not that. It's he runs out of the box and is doing this, making the card gesture. And apparently that's something they're going to crack down on is people, mostly players, but also clearly managers, like doing the, like calling for cards like that because they want to try and stop some of that conversation, which is one of those things that sounds wonderful and will last for about a month before, <laughs> you know, everyone complains. Other teams start doing it and they just stop bothering. That's, mm-hmm. that's the other side of the points of emphasis. It's, it's pretty curious how many of them, two things happen. Either everyone realizes, yeah, that's probably a good idea and they adjust. Or it was never really a good idea, and then after about a month or two, everyone just forgets that that happened, and we go back to the way we did things before. So. Right, yeah. Yeah, probably. Um, but overall, I was... Even knowing that, it does help explain some of the cards I did see. I'm still very bothered by many of the cards that were not given. Right. Um, and, and this is not a... a, a I don't want to turn this into that, into going after the referees. But, and and this isn't a, a pro-Arsenal perspective, but there were plenty of cards as well that Arsenal probably could have or should have gotten that weren't given. You saw that a lot, but both teams did this, the pullback. So a guy runs past him, and they reach right. out and grab the shoulder and pull him back. Yeah, that was what I thought the Partey yellow card yeah. was for, but apparently it was time-wasting, you were saying. Right, and so what's interesting about that is, especially you see that, like, Partey kind of, like, brushes his shoulder and tips him back, like, I think someone, another Arsenal player did, he had done a much worse version of the exact same thing. No call at all. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, yellow? That? Right. And that's what I thought Arteta was arguing was, hey, you gave yeah. Party a yellow card for this. Yeah. You didn't give the City player a card for the same thing, like, less than 10 minutes later, what gives? Yeah. And that's why, and yeah. Were, so, yeah, it all makes and there sense. Were, and there were a lot of, and there were a lot of those. I, I, and City is sort of famous for that. They call it the tactical foul. So... One of the things they do to sort of control possession, if they lose the ball, they're always sort of vulnerable to a counterattack. So what they're basically do, I mean, and you know they do this, is they're basically told, just foul the guy as quickly as you can. It breaks up the attack, it slows things down, allows everyone to get back defensively. Mm-hmm. And it's the kind of thing that, like, you get why they do it. But it's really annoying, and given the circumstances, in some cases, it, it probably should be given a card. Mm-hmm. And there was one, I, and Rodri in particular was, Rodri was was extremely bothersome. Bernardo Silva was all over the place again, committing these fouls that, you know, some of them weren't even called. Rodri had one, he, I forget who it was, it might have been, might have been Odegaard, basically rugby tackles him, like pulls yeah. him back and drags him to the ground, and there's no call at all. And you're just like, what are we even doing here? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very frustrating to watch. I, I heard a lot of Ars- I heard some Arsenal fans talking about bias and favor to Manchester City. Apparently, some people said the commentators made that comment. I didn't. I didn't see that. I just thought it was kind of a general sense. I just didn't think it was a very well officiated game in that sense. Um, that was sort of my impression there. Um, I, but yeah, yeah. It's, it was interesting how you sort of mentioned there isn't a lot going on. Uh, in the first, you know, there aren't a lot of shots. It's not a lot of end-to-end action. And I admit, at the time, I was kind of nervous watching it. I don't know if you felt the same way, especially early on with City controlling possession the way they did. Well, in the first half, I, I wasn't really that nervous. Did City control possession? Because it felt to me like Arsenal was pretty dominant. Like all the attempts in the first half were Arsenal. It seemed like the ball was on City's side a lot of the time. I mean, so I, I wasn't really that- feeling it. 
I would have said the first maybe 15, 20 minutes, definitely City was on the front foot. Now, but as you point out, it, it wasn't empty possession, but what what did it lead to in terms of how many good opportunities did they have in the early going? Really, yeah. really not any. Um, and really, their, their, the goal they had in the second half came off of a, a, a breakdown, a long ball, and, a, and almost, a, almost a counterattack. So not at all the kind of patient buildup, the probing, and mm-hmm. a couple of mistakes from Arsenal, and, you know, Party missed his man in, in the midfield, and, and they go the other way. It's a nice shot from uh, the the young player they had there was named yeah, Cole um, Palmer. Yeah, Cole Palmer. Uh, you know, young guy. Good, good for him. Was a nice goal, nicely taken goal. Um, frustrating to give up, of course. Yeah, but yeah, overall, yeah, City didn't have a lot of chances. And the more you watch that, and, and especially is you really sort of see how, in a lot of ways, that's what Arsenal wanted. I mean, I think the other big big benefit here was having Saliba. I mean, you saw there early Holland was there, right? And I mean, think yeah. about the three times we saw him last year. I mean, what a, what a terror he was. What did he do on Sunday? Yeah, no, really nothing at all. He, yeah, I, he he got handled by Saliba, which I mean, yeah. boy, we missed him in some of those games. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, yeah, I mean, I remember one play in particular. I don't remember which Arsenal players they were, but we had two guys on him. Like he had a chance in the box and we had two players on him that, if that's what it takes, <laughs> that's what we need to do. It was effective. Oh, yeah, it closed, they closed him down. Um, yeah. And th- so, you know, in that sense, we, we played a, a way, I think, a lot of the ways that we would have wanted to. And honestly, like, certainly if you look at City's lineup, I mean, obviously the, the first one you notice is, is the keeper, Stefan Ortega, is their backup. He's not Aderson. Okay, um, right. But if you look at the lineup they rolled out there, the only player they were really missing that they would you would really if you're a city you would really want to see was Kevin De Bruyne. Right. Um, now, so we we played a, a full strength or close to full strength city team and played them really well, and that's yeah. regardless of the results. Obviously, it would have been frustrating to lose to them again. I think it's very psychologically important that we got the goal to tie it, and especially winning in the shootout, like. To, to get the, the psychological advantage of actually getting that result under our belt, I think is really helpful. But even if we had lost, I think you could have walked away from the game and saying, no, no, we can, we, we can play with these guys. They're not, the gap is not that big. They, right. The gap, again, they're the heavy favorites to win the league. They probably will. Um, but w- we should not be afraid of them. Yeah. And least certainly not be afraid to go on the field and go toe-to-toe with them. Well, it's like they say in Predator. If it bleeds, it can be killed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they got a... There was a, there was a little, little bit of... A little, little bit of bleeding there. A little bit of the metaphorical bleeding. I didn't, although, yeah, that, although, actually, there was a... Well, the head injuries. The head, the head injury there in, in uh, late in the second half. Uh, they brought up the bandages for, for party. And I didn't... I forgot who the, uh, who the city player was who had to... Right. Get his head wrapped up, but uh, yeah. Do you, so, do you know what what the purpose of those bandages was? Because they did it on both of them. Was it a precautionary measure, or do you, do you know? Uh, well, so if if they're bleeding, they have to they have to they can't be allowed to bleed. There's no blood. Well, yeah, so, so you, clean it up. You think so, there was blood? So the, I didn't see blood. I, I didn't see it, but I suspect that's what it. Okay. Because I, 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 because what, what it is is tape is to hold on a bandage, and so you're taping. Yeah. You're, so it's not so much like they're. Holding their head in place since they put a bit ba- that well, yeah, I didn't know if it was bandage. precautionary padding in case yeah. of another head that's to head not, injury. That's or not with that. That wouldn't okay. it wouldn't provide. I mean, the okay. tape they're doing it. I mean, it's 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 tape. You can get you know a, you can yeah. get that and that's gauze you know, or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's yeah. not. There's nothing fancy about right. it. Um, 
so yeah, yeah, I, I, there was uh, presumably there was blood, um, which is why also both of them had to come off the field. Apparently, I I didn't hear this at all, but I heard this uh, today. Apparently, there's a new rule that when players come off, have to come off the field for an injury, they have to stay off for 30 seconds, at hmm. least 30 seconds. Okay. What you, and, and I kind of like that, because what you would get, especially oh, yeah. later in games, is players, ow, I hurt, right. and then there's the long delay where the trainer comes out, and they have to walk them off. And then a lot of times, as soon as the game restarts, they're waving to come back in, and the ref says, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know now thirty. I'm thirty seconds is a long time to be down well, there. Yeah. Um, no, I mean the the whole idea behind making them come off to me is is a smart way of discouraging abuse. And it seems like the thirty second minimum makes sense. It just gives that more teeth. It's kind of like it's it's in keeping with the spirit of the whole idea of having them come off the field in the first place. I think. Yeah, I mean part of it also is you want to get the game back up back on, and so when the player is on the field receiving treatment, look if you can get them off the field and treat them on the sideline, that right. would be better. Then we can keep playing. That would right be for everybody. Since the stopwatch um, is running now, when, when yeah, we know yeah. This, somebody's somebody's tracking that time. Um, yeah. Which which you saw that. I mean, there was not only there was there were a lot of stoppage time added on in the end of the second half, but also that time was extended because right. a good the chunk of it involved happened. the two you know yeah. party and them uh, being yeah. down with the injuries. So and further. We scored our tying goal during the extension of the stoppage time, like beyond the minimum. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah, it definitely worked to our advantage. Yeah. Although, I mean, that, that part about extending stoppage time because of an injury, I and mean, we see that plenty. Oh, yeah, that yeah, part, yeah. That but, wasn't necessarily. But it was on but, top right. of the eight minutes already. Like, that's the right. key thing. We scored like 11 minutes or so into stoppage time. Like, it yep. was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's um yeah, ninety. It was at ninety plus eleven is the one I'm looking at. Right. So, um, yep. Hundred and first a minute. Yep. So, so a, a couple questions about this match. Um, first of all, what are the yellow card accumulation rules? Does it is there none beyond this match, or does it reset for like FA Cup competition later on? Or it it, it is done by competition. So, okay. so this is a one-off. And, yeah, yeah. This okay. since this game is a one-off, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, the yellow card accumulation rules kick in only for the Premier League, and there are, I believe, there are yellow card accumulation rules for the cups. But I think right. like those those are so rarely like even in play because of how few games they actually are. You'll see it in the Champions League sometimes. Talking players accumulating yellow cards in the group and maybe having to miss a knockout stage game or something to that effect. Yep. Um. The difference there, though, is because in the case of England, all the cards are, or, you know, all the comp- competitions in England are all under the FA in terms of their rules. A suspension, um, a yellow card suspension, I think, is only ser- is served in the Premier League, but a red card suspension, if any player picked up a red, they'd actually be suspended for the next Premier League game. If they're if they get the red card in the Champions League, they'd be suspended from the Premier League. O- only for only the cups. So anything in England, okay. European competitions because oh, gotcha. it's under UEFA is a separate is a separate is separate bookkeeping. But I believe, Eve. Actually, I'm not sure about that. You know, maybe I shouldn't say that. But okay. I, I do think there is there's some weird overlap in some of those how those uh, function. Um, Right, I get what you meant by in England now. You know, because their games are pretty much all in England. But you mean when they're playing an FA match as Wait, opposed to playing a an, yeah, match. A, okay. a, a match that would be run under the auspices of the FA, which mm-hmm. would be the Premier League, the the FA Cup, the League Cup, and the Community Shield. Okay. 
if you're in the community shield, of course. Right. So um, the other small thing I wanted to ask about. So I always keep a note that we we drive the show based on, and uh, I always note the score for for each match that we're going to talk about, just to have it for mm-hmm. reference. For this one, so how do you? What is the proper notation for a match won in a penalty shootout? Because I think I've seen they'll give like one one for this match, and then they'll say and they'll add on the four one penalty shootout score or something like that. Is that it? Like if you want if if you want to abbreviate it to one score, is there like a marking next to either of the you ones or something? What you could do, uh, yeah, I mean, what you could do is, is what you said there. Like, is if we think about the way it's sort of typically laid out sometimes, it's, you know, home team score hyphen, uh, visiting team score, visiting team name, right? Yep. In that, I realize it's going backwards on my screen, but that's what it looks like to me. <laughs> um, what you, what you might see is next to each number, you might see in parentheses the, the penalty, no, the penalty number. So for this game, it would be ah. Arsenal one parentheses four dash city one parentheses one Manchester city. Uh, you could see that. You could also see, like you mentioned, um, you know, the score Arsenal one, one Manchester city. And then afterwards, Arsenal wins four one on penalties. Right. Both of those would be considered accurate. Um, gotcha. You can so in terms of officially record keeping wise, the game was a draw. We played ninety minutes. Right. We had the same number of goals. It's a draw. Um, for for a competition like this, they're not going to bother with extra time, which is good because our lineup was kind of a mess. But I mean, <laughs> we were playing for at that point. You know, we were. I mean, we had like two defenders on the field by the end of the game. They were throwing guys on to get you know offensive players to get a goal. Of course, you wouldn't bother with that. You know, it. it Arteta wouldn't have played that way, except that he knew it was the shootout. We needed the goal, and he didn't have to worry about what would happen after that. We got the goal, we got to the shootout. If you have extra time afterwards, you treat it differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think back, I think the only time you would have seen extra time was the uh, the, the game against Sporting, uh, where Arsenal got knocked out of the Europa League last year. Right, yep. Um, and did, does the World Cup not do? Uh, yeah, I guess they don't do. Or we do do extra time. They do extra time. Yeah. Okay. So you go. Yeah, in the knockout stages. Right. Uh, so I may I may have seen some there too. Yeah, obviously. that's true. You yeah. would have seen that also. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, and you'll typically you'll see that it, it, goals scored in extra time count. So if if they had gone to extra time in Arsenal and scored, the final score would be Arsenal two one. Right. Win. Right. You, you know you can win or lose an extra time, but once you're in penalties, the game officially is a draw, mm-hmm. and the penalties are just there to determine who advances in whatever comp- in the competition that you're in. So when you say it matters for the record keeping, what effect does that have? Like I know, so if we're talking about Premier League standings, a win or a draw is a difference in the number of points that you would get, but there is no extra time. It just is a draw in that case. So right. if we're talking about the FA cup or the champions league, what does it matter whether you had it, I guess, is it like home field advantage or something like that? Where if you, you might have a better record than someone else, it would matter or something. Why no, would it matter? It's just quite literally in terms of like what your record looks like. I mean, you know, teams okay. keep track of their, of their record in terms of like how they do in competitions, how they do against certain teams. Technically, Arsenal drew Manchester City on Sunday. Right. Okay. Um, technically, that's what happened. Again, no one really will remember that. It doesn't really matter because, you know, the end result, you know, same as if, if this had been a final of, say, the FA Cup, we draw the game, but win on penalties, win the FA Cup. 
absolutely nobody cares right. that it's a, a draw. What matters is we won the cup. We won the shield. That's that's the only thing that really matters. But if you want to be super technical about it, yep. And I know you enjoy being super technical. <laughs> um, I mean, but if you really want to be technically, that was a draw, and then we won on penalties because you had to have penalties to determine some kind of winner. That's sort oh, of, right. That's, that's sort of what it is. The point of penalties is the game can't decide, but we need a winner for whatever reason. A yeah, trophy course, advancing. Yep. That's why you. That's why you have penalties. Yeah, it makes sense. I think I was looking at it through the lens of for this one match, what does it matter? But I guess it matters more in the cumulative statistics. How have we done against Manchester City over however many years? How have we done in the Champions League or something? What does our record look like when you're looking at a total number of wins, draws, yeah. and losses? Yeah, right. And it's one of those you can you it. it, it. It's one of those things that's so rarely actually like remarked upon. It's like, you know, your, your record in knockout competitions, did you win or lose? Yeah, you know, well, we drew. No, did you win or lose? You either won and advanced or you lost and you were, and you were eliminated. So again, in sort of an official record book kind of way, it matters. But what matters is in this case, we got the shiny thing. So. Right. <laughs> um, so. Any uh, any final thoughts on this match before we go to uh, other topics? Um, I do. I do. I want to throw this out there because I, I forgot to mention it to you before. But I, you know, we sort of had a chance to touch on it with with the uh, David Raya coming in. Of course, uh, Aaron Ramsdale, who was uh, we said didn't do a lot of work, made a couple of good saves there in the second mm-hmm. half, uh, and also, of course, um, it made a save in the shootout, which you know, really, yeah. really good for him. Um, it's interesting because earlier last week, uh, I had, I, I sent you this. I, I put the link there uh, for you so you can, you can take a look at this later. He did a piece for, uh, a website called the Players Tribune, which is, huh. Is it, well, a website where basically athletes write articles about themselves, sort of their chance to tell their stories. And it's him telling yeah. a story about, I mean, there's a whole bunch of like crazy things he talks about in there, like the, you know, the reactions that people had when he was signed by Arsenal. Um, and, and some of the negative reactions he got dealing with fans. He tells us, uh, you know, it's the, the idea he really talks about is, um, you know, sort of how he's sort of struggled for everything and the difficulties he's gone through to get to the position he's in. Um, you know, which the idea of David Raya coming in, I mean, David Raya is not going to come in just to, you know, be the backup. He's going to come in and gun for Ramsdale's job. But if you've got like Ramsdale sort of, it, to have that and then to follow it up with a performance like that. And he talks about a few other things. I mean, this, you know, the, the really awful story is his wife uh, had a miscarriage uh, three days before the, the North London Derby at Tottenham last year. Mm. Um, and remember that was the, I mean, he played, played really well in that game. And also that was the game where a, a Spurs fan jumped out of the stands and like oh. kicked him after the game too. Oh, Which that obviously, as that's happening, you're kind of like, "What's happening? That's awful." And then he sort of, there's so much of these guys we don't know about because of their personal lives, and and so much of the way they present themselves through social media is, of course, very curated. Mm-hmm. And so, for something like this to really sort of tell his story, he talks a lot about his brother who's gay and sort of how he wants him to be able to, you know, be, sort of be himself. You know, watching 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 football and all of that. So he, he goes into a lot of different things. Talks about a lot of sort of stuff that's that you can is clearly important to him and it's clearly on his mind. And it kind of gives a lot of extra depth to him. So yeah. really an interesting, uh, you know, really sort of an interesting read. I have, I've seen bits and pieces of it. I haven't quite gotten all the way through. 
Uh, but you know, there's, um, it does give a little bit of depth to some of what we're also seeing. What, some of what you also see on the field. Sure. Oh, cool. Thanks for sharing that. And I'm glad you brought him up, actually, because before we leave the match, I did want to say, yes, I noticed his particularly good performance. And before you shared about it looking like David Raya may be a nearly done deal, but that, it, that it's actually going to happen. I'd been wondering, just knowing how Ramsdale is largely from the, the documentary about, you know, two seasons ago now, um, just kind of seeing s- just the way he is and even just on the field, like when you're seeing them play, you can kind of tell how, how he takes things. It seems like he's a very competitive person, right? And I guess a lot of people at this level are, but like super competitive to the point mm. where I almost wondered, is Arteta trying to get a better performance out of him by kind of threatening, like, you know, we can replace you. Um, I was wondering if that was an aspect to the talks, at least of bringing on David, David Raya, but my instinct is no, because you know, a club like Arsenal, if they're going after a player, it's because they're interested in him. Right. And, and there's a story that floated around a few are older Arsenal fans to talk about in the, uh, I think it was in the, the, in the nineties, they, they done really well and brought, were bringing in a new keeper. And there was a conversation. What was wrong with the new guy? What was wrong with the old guy? What does it say about your confidence in him? Why are they doing this? And they asked the manager and he said, he's a better keeper. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I mean, we know Arteta likes competition for spots, but he wants the best possible team out there. Ramsdale, Ramsdale has some holes in his game. There are some things he does. He doesn't do particularly well. Um, He's not the best shot stopper. You know, we, we mitigate that a lot by not giving up a lot of shots because we control possession against so many teams. But he's not the greatest shot stopper. Um, Raya is a much better one. Um, you know, Ramsdale is, is good with the ball at his feet, but sometimes on long balls, they aren't the longest or aren't the most accurate. Raya can be better at that. So uh, Arteta is not a guy who's going to do things just for psycho- the psychological. Act. We, I mean, he'll do plenty of things for the psychological Scouting and and going for players like that, he wants him, and right. and we know this also because we we put in for David Raya in the past. He's a guy mm. we have shown interest in before, so I'm not super surprised that we would be interested in him. Uh, just obviously because of what we know about Ramsdale, and obviously a little bit how we feel about Ramsdale. You know, it feels a little bit weird or different, and you know, because like you can bring in Declan Rice and. He's a replacement for Thomas Party. Well, as you saw, Rice and, and Party played together and played sure. very well, I thought, overall. Um, I don't know, I'm curious, what did you think of the the new guys, Timber, uh, Kai Havertz, and and Declan Rice? I know we're, we want to move off the shield, but I don't want to move off the shield for just a moment. Sure, I mean, sure. What did, you, what, did you, what did you think of uh, the did you Did anything stand out about the new guys? Nothing really stood out yet. And, you know, I've seen him play. Aside, I think this may have been the first time I've seen Timber with some serious time um, on the field. Um, but, but the rest of them, I'd seen them play enough. Like, this isn't like my first exposure to them. And, you know, they they seem fine. Like, it's it's tough a lot of the time. I, I'm not paying close enough attention, probably, to midfielders to have a strong opinion. I guess Havertz is on the front line. Um mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, he didn't really do too much, um, before he got subbed out. And clearly, you know, when they brought him off and brought Trasar on, that resulted in, you know, the, the goal that we ended up scoring. Um, so yeah, I mean, no, no really strong opinions yet. I would say, uh, what about you? Um, I thought Timber was excellent. He clear he basically was Zinchenko 
And, you know, for someone at his age and sort of walk right in to do, I mean, Zinchenko plays a, a unique role in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. And for him to walk in and basically do that was, and against a club like Manchester City is it's pretty impressive. His coming back, tracking back defensively was pretty solid as well. I thought he was, he was very good. Um, the group I was with was not, we're not big fans of Kai Havertz. And, and there's an awkwardness to him. He was a bit of, we weren't expecting him. He under, arguably underperformed at Chelsea. He's coming from Chelsea. So there's a lot of baggage <laughs> he carries on that. But I thought he did overall pretty well. I mean, we, we, we do suffer without Jesus. Um, you know, that, that's kind of clear. I thought Havertz was okay. I, he had a couple of sh- shots that he definitely scuffed and was like, you need to do better with that. But mm-hmm. but overall, I thought his movement was good. I thought he was in good positions. And, you know, when, when, when Trussard came on, I wasn't at all surprised that, you know, of the four players on the forward line who got subbed off, it was Martinelli who didn't have a bad game, but I thought was a little anonymous. I, I, yeah. I, I wasn't surprised when he went off. He'll be fine. Arteta loves him. He's a great player. It, yeah, it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, Rice was, I mean, Rice, like, a lot of midfielders, sometimes you want them to be anonymous, especially defensively, but he had a few good plays tracking back. You could see he still hasn't quite connected with his teammates, but, you know, as we said, there's a, there's a pretty steep learning curve with the kind of position he plays and things that Arsenal and Arteta want him to do. So it'll take a little bit of time and being able to play with party, I think will help the both of them. Um, certainly in the short term as it gets bedded in and then also the longer term when I think ideally you might get to a point later in the season where you can rotate, actually rotate them in between games perhaps. Um, but we'll see. It'll be curious um, how they end up playing that uh, going yeah. forward. Yeah. So, yeah, I, we'll see. Uh, I, it, I think it's also tough. I think when I haven't fully internalized like easy identification of who the new players are yet. I think I'm maybe <laughs> not noticing them like at all <laughs> for a lot of it. Like I didn't ID Timber for a while. Was was he the one whose boot came off? I think at one yes. point. Yes. And, like, I didn't know who that game. was at first. And I was like, <laughs> I kept on missing when they were showing and that I thought I saw it on his shoe at one point that it looked like he may have had a name and I couldn't make it out. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm blind to them a little bit, but yeah, more to follow. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, actually, um, so was there anything else? Uh, I didn't, that was all I could think of, um, other than, you know, getting again, uh, the shield, which is, oh yeah. I mean, is it, is it, it's the least important thing. It's, it's arguably, arguably more important than the MLS all-star challenge as far as trophies won this summer. Um, but you know, I, she said it's nice to get something over City, and you know, sure. it, I, I sort of psychologically, like if you're City, they clearly don't care. I mean, they lost this game last year, and then wound up winning everything anyway. Right. So for them, it, and and they are a slower starting team under under Guardiola. So for them, you know, there's going to be some time to bet in. They lost some key players in the summer. You know, it'll take a little bit of time for them to really get fully up to speed. So this isn't a result that's going to bother them one way or the other. For Arsenal, for us, the psychological advantage of, of getting the result against a club that's been a a real, you know, obviously is is the, you know, the sort of the marker, or the standard for the league to get a result against them is, is, is a real positive for us. And the, again, the trophy is nice, but, you know, I think the performance is, is better. And I feel pretty good about where we are going into the new season, into the Premier League campaign. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited. I'm I can't wait for it to start. And you know, I guess it's a relatively easy way to get into it, starting with Nottingham. I mean, do you know how 
they're shaping up compared to last season? Um, I, as I understand it, well, I guess they're getting a slightly better keeper in, um, in, in, uh, (laughs) (laughs) in Matt Turner. Um, no, I, I suspect Forrest will be close to where they were last year. Uh, probably in the, not, not, I mean, maybe, maybe a little better in that they won't be putting it till the end of April to survive, to survive relegation. But I, I suspect they're, you know, if you're looking at teams that are likely to be relegated, they're, they're, they're probably on that list. Yeah. Okay. That's good. That's, that's what I've been assuming. We just wanted to confirm. So yes, as, 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 as far as an opening game, home to forest is a pretty nice opener. Um, yeah. <laughs> a couple of years ago when, when Unai Emery was a manager, his, his first two games were city at home and at Chelsea. It did not go very well. Yeah. <laughs> or even if you go to the, the document, you know, the, the two year, the year before you started with the all or nothing season, they opened Brentford city or Brentford, Chelsea city. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, the Brentford one was tough for different reasons, but then going city, you know, che- uh, at Chelsea and then home to, or no, it was at Chelsea home at city. It was, who boy, that was a lot, but, uh, yeah, yeah. It sounds like it would have been. <laughs> so, um, So I wanted to cover two things, actually. One that I just remembered uh, we can cover, and then the other one that we talked about. So do you want to do the one we talked about or the surprise? (laughs) Let's start with the one I talk about. Yeah, because I I think I know the one you want to talk about, we've talked about. So let's let's hit that, and then we can can throw in a surprise there. Okay. So Super League, the war for football. So you mm. subscribed to Apple TV Plus for a bit over the summer. You caught up on Ted Lasso and other things such as Super League, the war for football. Yeah. So um, listeners from last season will recall this was a documentary that is an Apple TV Plus exclusive. Um, I watched it. We did an episode talking about it. Keith hadn't seen it yet at that time, but he lived it. He didn't need to, to watch a documentary about it. So <laughs> we still had a, a nice discussion uh, talking about that whole debacle. But you have now seen it. So uh, so tell me, what what are your uh, new thoughts on it? Um, I thought it's a documentary. I, I, I definitely think it was definitely friendly to Sheffern and UEFA. Right. Overall. Um. And, and sort of what we talked about, there seemed to be a presumption about, and we talked about this conversation about who does the game belong to, mm-hmm. right? And I and I do think there was definitely a, a, a spoken, it wasn't unspoken, it was definitely spoken, a presumption out the game being, belonging to the fans and what it was accomplishing, what it was trying to accomplish and what we mean by that. I do think they gave time to Agnelli and Perez as far as explaining sort of what they were going for and some of the criticisms they have of UEFA, which aren't entirely unfair. I mean, part of the problem you run into in all of this is somebody has to run these competitions and you almost can't trust the clubs to do it themselves because they're all, they all have competing interests as far as what, what's involved now as well, especially when you start talking about something, something the size of UEFA. 50 some countries, hundreds of clubs in each country. And you're talking about a, you're, you're comparing a second division Croatian team to Real Madrid. They're not even in the same. Yes, technically they're in the same universe, <laughs> but they're not really in the same conference. It's completely, completely different, almost completely different entities, except they both play the same sport. Um, you know, somebody has to run it. UEFA has definitely had more than its share of scandals. I do come away thinking that Sheffrin is, I, 
he's known as a reformer, but then again, I remember them talking about Michel Platini uh, being a reformer, and that turned out not to be true at all. Um, right. As you may, you know, as you may recall from from some of the other stuff about FIFA. Yeah. Um, it definitely was friendly to him. I guess one of the curious things, and it, it bothered me certainly at the time, is the way a lot of English fans were pointing the finger a lot at the American owners of Stan Kroenke, also the Glazers who own Manchester United, and John Henry, who's the head of the group that owns Liverpool. And certainly the Americans were involved. They basically worked as a unit, right? They agreed together to go to join the Super League and then pulled out um, roughly the same time. But the driving force behind the Super League wasn't them. Wasn't the Americans? I mean, yes, there was an American bank. I think it was Chase that was, you know, bankrolling or you know was providing a lot of the financing for it. Mm-hmm. But you saw that the masterminds behind this are Florentino Perez and Andrea Agnelli, who a right. Spaniard and an Italian. Right. Um, so I don't, I you know that that's you know me sort of pushing back against some of the some of the traditional provincialism you get and some of the. It's a residue of a reflex anti-Americanism you'll sometimes see in Europeans. Um, I get it, but also I find in this context I find it particularly annoying, especially given the facts of the case involving, again, an Italian and a Spaniard. <laughs> this is their mm-hmm. idea, you know. Yeah, I, I and I guess one of the bigger criticisms I had was about sort of the lack of detail about the competition. They had bits and pieces in it that suggested they had a little bit more detail to it than I recalled. So I'll certainly plead a certain amount of, of incorrectness on that. I I did re-listen to that episode after watching it and went back and was like, oh, I said a bunch of things wrong there, uh, which will happen. <laughs> of I don't, course. I don't, I don't feel, I mean, I don't, I don't feel good about it, but also like. <laughs> You're fired. It happens. Yeah. Well, you know what? That's fine. I have other things that, uh, uh, but yeah, it's, um, you know, I, it, it was an interesting documentary. Um, yeah, I, I do think it's definitely more favorable to Sheffer and I clearly he collaborated more was much more collaborative with them in making it. I I thought that some of the the dramatizations of some of the conversations were were weird because it was clearly them doing it. Like it wasn't like <laughs> a random actor who you just said the well, yeah, the back of his head looks a lot like the back of Sheffern's head. Uh but no it was it was, looked like it was him and so I, I found that very weird. I don't So it's been a while now since I watched it, but I don't remember dramatizations i think perhaps what i thought was the case and perhaps i'm wrong but for some reason i thought that maybe they were documenting this already for some other reason they were there witnessing the actual phone calls but maybe that doesn't make sense (laughs) it doesn't yeah i don't think i mean i i suppose that's possible but it does seem very bizarre that that yeah would happen that way um yeah, I, I do think they gave a good, it, it, even in spite of the fact I think it leaned towards the, the UEFA side of it. And again, I say this is someone who ultimately, I'm I'm glad the Super League did not happen. I think that's, yeah, I, I kind of like the system the way it is, but understanding some of the complaints people have about it. I did think they did a decent job of allowing Perez and Agnelli to air some of what they were thinking and why they were trying to do it. And, mm-hmm. you know, you can criticize them by saying it's self-serving, but frankly, all of them are being a little bit self-serving. And, and that's just when you consider the amount of money at stake and the kind of power in place, I get it. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for that update. Um, the the other topic I had in mind, perhaps we'll save that as a super fan only bonus topic after the outro. Okay. 
All right. So uh, tell us uh, what's up for next week. We, we've already uh, stated it, but uh, when and how? <laughs> we've said it. Happy New Year. Uh, the Premier League season begins on Saturday. Arsenal home to Nottingham Forest. Um, away to Forest has been a bit of a bugaboo for us recently in, in various competitions. But home to Forest, I mean, you know. Let's get off to a good start again. Uh, we have, you know, the, the month of August is, is, uh, definitely very winnable. We have Forest at home to Crystal Palace and then home against Fulham. And that's, that's August for us, uh, before we get Manchester United in the first weekend of September. So there's a really good opportunity to get off to a good start. And it starts at home against a team that probably is going to be close to the relegation zone. Yeah. Good. Looking forward to it. Thanks for joining us at Gooner U. We're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and some other places, and we appreciate you subscribing to our show and sharing it with friends. If you want to listen ad-free, you can become a Gooner U superfan for ad-free episodes, as well as raw, unedited recordings that are available the night we record, and for occasional bonus content, so stick around. Uh, we'll, we'll give you a little bit of that when, when I'm done with our outro. It's only a dollar a month, and there's a link in the show notes to join. It helps keep the show going. We really appreciate everyone who does that. So thanks again to our sponsor, Liquid IV. You can find them with our special link in the description. Hey, don't forget to use code Gooner. There is no U in Gooner at checkout. You can follow our show on Twitter at Gooner U Show for updates and ask questions. Again, my name is Dove, and you can find me on Twitter at Dove Frankel. With me, as always, is Keith, and you can find him in a pub watching Arsenal matches. Community Shield Champions.